Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Happy to be back. Uh, A little pre-show talk, like what are we going to do for 500? I mean, if you're looking at your podcatcher and see it's 487. We we don't have any plans for 500. We have no idea, guys. None at all. I feel like we do this like every, every, well, every 100 episodes for sure, but every 50 episodes, we're like, do we do a thing? Should we do a thing? And we've generally kind of gone meh for a lot of them, except I don't know. There's something about 500 freaking episodes, Ryan. I mean, you and I have been podcasting together for 10 years. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, that's half my life. Oof. <laughs> So lies. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, uh, well, it's, you know, just under a third. Is that better? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's sort of getting closer. I feel like, yeah, 10 years of podcasting. That's, that's quite a bit. And I feel like every time we talk about the milestone, every 50 episodes is like, okay, well, we don't have to do anything crazy for 250 or 350. When we get to 500, then we'll talk 10 years. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> then we'll talk. And then now we're sitting here going, oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what now? We can't miss this one, right? <laughs> I I feel like, you know what we'll do is we just won't do an episode 500. We'll do an episode 499, and then we'll go straight to 501 and just never it. talk about it again. <laughs> and that's the special. It's the lost episode. And we'll keep saying, like, oh, yeah, that episode 500 was so great. I hope you guys had a good time listening to it, and and they'll be like, it'll be like, uh, we'll we'll create a thing. I'll have to edit all this out so that people can't come back. So to that this no one like, knows, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or you know what we could do? Oh, we could ask the community guys if you have any ideas for what you want to see us do for episode five hundred, which is coming up in a couple of months. Hit us up at bit.ly slash TGI Discord and let us know what your ideas are. I mean, we could go back and we could play remastered versions or like Skyrim on one of the 8,000 platforms it's on now. You know, we could we could do a ton of things, but I think it would be interesting to see what you guys want us to do, even if that's nothing. Sure. Even if you want us to like blow by as if it's no big deal or if you want us to do Ryan's suggestion and just never record 500 and just... Make it the mysterious lost episode. That's fine, too. Uh, But let us know. Again, that is bit.ly slash TGI Discord to to send us your feedback. So I'm curious to see if there's anything, like, cool that you guys want to see or, you know, like, what kind of suggestions come in. Um, As long as the suggestion is not go back and listen to episode one. Because no, no, no. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we, we can't do that. You know what? I, I feel like, okay, What what is a game? I'm just throwing this idea out here. What is a game that, you know, both of us have said we would we should always have played and never have uh, over the last 10 years? I'm trying to think like, oh, God, I'm, there's got to be one game for each of us where it's like, yeah, I always meant to play that. And we never did. Um, um, the Last of Us? For you, yeah. Yeah, definitely The Last of for Us. For me? Yeah. That's a, that's <laughs> I a really feel good like- one. People, people are just yeah. The the fact that I've never played Last of Us really hurts people in their soul. Yeah, I wonder. For me, I I know I've always said I know Personas come up a lot, uh, and I've I've started it, but I never finished it. Yeah, so maybe that's it. Maybe episode five hundred is like 
you guys pick a game for us that you think would be is is the biggest miss in 10 years <laughs> that we've had in gaming and as long as we can get it on a current platform yes we will play it for you so again yeah you guys have to go over to discord and let us know what you think but yeah. um yeah, I mean, let's not talk about what we've missed playing. Let's talk about what we actually have played. So, Ryan, you spent some more time in Life is Strange? Yes. Or did you just copy this over from last week? No, it, I did. <laughs> I had it copied over and then uh, I had changed it just before we recorded because I finished Life is Strange True Colors. I, I went straight through oh, it. Oh, wow. Couldn't put it down. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah. so not because you felt you had to finish it for the show, but because it actually was something that you were enjoying and couldn't put down. That's good to know. Yeah, I had I I was having a really good time with it. And and here's the thing, I was planning to sort of set it aside for a little bit cuz it it is um I I don't know if I've personally experienced it, but it is struggling f from some uh some uh, there are some glitches, there's some stuff that needs to be patched, but I didn't really experience a lot of it. I had mentioned the frame the frame rate dipping in certain points, you know, cuz it does run at a locked 30 frames. So if it dips below that, you do really feel it. Um, but uh, yeah, I was going to wait for some patches and then the story kept going and I'm like, ah, you know what? I think I just have to finish this and uh, experience the whole thing because it was just, uh, it was a really good story and really reminded me of early chapters of the first Life is Strange where um, the story kept you going and, and some of the characters, but in the case of Life is Strange True Colors, like, all the characters are really good. Like, I don't think there's really any character to sort of... There's no Chloe? <laughs> there's no Chloe. Um, there's, you know, there are characters that you uh, you love to hate, but your character, you know, hates them as well. And But not in a, not in a Chloe way. I don't mind when, like, they, they write characters in that have maybe negative arcs, like story arcs, or that have bad character traits and stuff. It's just, it's like when they when they write characters in and they're not meant to be that way, like they're not the antagonist, that you're supposed to like them, but they're just so poorly written that it's impossible to like them. That's really how I felt about Chloe in the first game is like, I know she's supposed to be on my side and I'm supposed to like love her and want to help her and all the rest of it. And I'm like, I just don't like <laughs> stop talking. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a real problem for me in any form of entertainment, not just gaming. Like I, the same problem happens to me in TV shows and movies all the time as well. Like you have to make your characters relatable and like lovable mm -hmm. really like you have to make people care about your characters so i'm glad that it seems like they they managed to do that in true colors yeah i feel like they really uh nailed all of the characters like early on in the game you're introduced to your brother uh gabe who is a a, a very friendly like you're seeing him for the first time after being separated for eight years and you feel like that those two characters while having these these awkward moments are are really happy to be back together and, and spending time together as a family. So that works really well. And you're introduced to this small town. It's a small cast of characters, but like they're all really well crafted. You know, um, you, you meet uh, Jed who is a, a uh, he, he runs the local uh, pub and he's also fantastic, sort of like a, like a father figure to, to everyone in town. <laughs> And uh, he he's uh, he's a lot of fun to interact with and, and have conversations with. 
And I really enjoyed interacting with every little thing I could find. Cause again, like the writing for Alex, the main character and her insight into everything. Like you remember in the original life is strange adventures, you could pretty much interact with everything. And then, you know, the thought would sort of ring the, the narration would come in from your main character of like, that's a piece of paper or whatever, but it would be something more clever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is why I don't write these games. I just play them um, because you wouldn't want to just interact with things. That's a computer. It's like, okay, <laughs> I know that. Um, so I really, I really, I clicked on everything. I enjoyed all the dialogue they had there. And uh, it's, you know, again, you continue to experience these, um, these choices that come up and they feel like they offer the mature slash, you know, responsible option, which was not present in previous any adventure games and i know i said this last week i was worried maybe it's just chapter one that kind of like felt really balanced but no the whole game has much more balanced options in terms of not only just major choices but also just dialogue options you know like uh you can be honest with people you can tell people the truth um, I should mention, I'm going to try to keep spoilers to a, to a, to a bare minimum here, but again, like, um, for, for this discussion, I'll, I'll, there will be some slight spoilers, but I'll try to keep it to like the first few chapters. But a great example of telling the truth is like, you find these friends in town, you form this close relationship with them and you tell them about your powers in the first, in the second chapter, you know, there isn't that like weird, oh, I shouldn't really tell these people about my powers because they're going to think I'm weird. But no, you have the option right off the bat to... Yeah, I think you had said that last week, that you had the option to kind of let people in. Yeah. Like, you you could choose not to. You could choose to keep it secret, but you could also say, hey, guess what? I can make things move with, with my mind. I don't actually know if that's power, but... <laughs> no, she... Uh, so, like, she has the... She's oh, right. kind of like she's an empath. The, she's the empath. Right, right, yeah. right. But but the way she can kind of engage with people's emotions and, and feel them and, and engage with them is uh, she gains insight and gains uh, knowledge. It's it's kind of like mind reading, but it's emotion reading. Like you're hearing their thoughts based on the emotion they're feeling. So if they're really right. angry, uh, <laughs> there's this one guy. It's just a random NPC, but he's like this guy going through anger management. So every time you meet him, he's... He's uh, just having a casual conversation. I think he was on the phone. He was trying to cancel his CAA, or, or uh, not CAA, the, this is in the States, the AAA. And uh, he's getting very angry on the phone. And then you like read his emotions and he's just like, one, two, three, control. He's doing like a mantra <laughs> to <laughs> calm down. And this is like a sort of, a, a, you know, a, a theme going throughout the game. You continue to, ex- you know, run into him. And by the end of the game, he's like, he, he's got like some he, there's a boot on his car or whatever because he's parked in a no parking zone during a festival and he's just freaking out and uh there are little things like that but then there are big moments where you are you know um you are engaging with people's emotions and and this triggers like a an emotion puzzle where you it, it is a little odd like it's a little awkward and that sometimes when you're interacting with people's emotions you do have obviously you have to suspend your your belief in terms of uh you know you're just standing there you know in front of someone and we're we're led to believe that this person's cool with you just standing there kind of waving your hand in front of them <laughs> i feel like there's probably like a pause in time and there's like this you know what the player is experiencing isn't necessarily what the characters are experiencing like maybe the power happens 
nearly instantaneously type stuff. But uh, the visual representation does look like you just standing there like a goof. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it, say you come across this character who's very angry and you need to sort out why they're angry in order to progress in the game. Um, you do initiate this like sort of emotion puzzle where it kind of takes the world around you and transitions that environment over to uh, uh, over to their emotions. So if they're really angry, like the, the shadows get really deep, you know, there's like a red hue to the world. And um, suddenly you can interact with objects and interacting with those objects gives you a piece of information from the character's perspective. Um, so for example, there's like a there's a, a character you're interacting with and she's an artist. So when you're trying to figure out why she's really angry in order to help her, um, you interact with her artwork and each piece of artwork is explaining why she's who she's angry with or why. And you keep going through the process until you find the object that is the, the, the reason she's so really angry in order for you to kind of help that person and push, push through and, and, and help them out. So like those moments are really interesting because it gives you a very in-depth um, look at these characters. Uh, and because there are so few of these characters, you do get one of these moments for every character, whether it's, you know, anger, sadness, joy, fear, that sort of thing. So it is, uh, it's very rewarding and, and they are mandatory. They're, they're part of the story. So you, you do get mm -hmm. to experience, you don't have to seek them out because they will, they will present themselves through the story, but uh, they were really rewarding because, again, it gave you more insight into characters. Some of which, like we talked about last week, the the bad boyfriend character, like he he is redeemed a little bit in the sense when you kind of figure it not from he's still a bad boyfriend, uh, <laughs> but uh, but from the perspective of like he he did a thing that that he said he was like covering for this company, so like you can you can kind of figure out why that was the case as opposed to in other games where normally your character would just be like no i want nothing to do with you and that would be the op the two options like just to basically walk away but you get this opportunity to like okay let's really see why this person's freaking out so much and mm -hmm. uh and you can help this person um calm down and and which does kind of like um uh, play into their entire game mechanic right yeah. so it makes sense that in this game specifically with a character whose power basically are their emotions, that then it would also let you dive more into the emotions and the relationships with the other characters. Like it kind of fits with the game they were building, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like it makes sense to me that this would be the game of all games where you could, you know, explore many different emotional paths. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, I really enjoyed the story all the way through. There is, again, I don't want to get into spoilers, but there is some stuff near the end that is, um, again, it's a small, it's a small town setting. There's not a lot of characters. Um, there is one sort of central environment, which is the town. It's well-developed. It feels really solid. It feels like you're constantly experiencing new things in this environment, but there is like the one street, a park, uh, the pub, uh, the record store, and a couple other buildings that you're going to go into. Um, but for the most part, throughout the chapters, you have access to all of them. But from a, a story perspective, it does, uh, it feels like the, um, the the pace is really well set. Like you're discovering things, you know, because um, it is, it does turn into a bit of a mystery slash conspiracy story as you try mm -hmm. to figure out 
the cause of uh, of a certain um, we'll call it an accident because uh, again I don't I don't want to I, I don't know how much the trailers give away because there's stuff yeah, right at the okay. beginning of the game end of the first chapter which does set up the rest of the story but again like I don't want to I don't want to sit here and be like you know run through all the things that happen because I really feel like it's a it's a game worth experiencing you know not knowing what's what's going on because myself going into it I had a, a I knew there was a town. I knew the, I knew the character. I knew her powers, but I didn't really know much else. And I think they make a passing reference in the original trailers as to um, some of the stuff that occurs in the game. But for the most part, I think it's best going into this one uh, without a little blind. Yeah, exactly. Because I think it'll help you uh, with the characters and help you with the setting and, and sort of uh, just have a better experience. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the the story does you know go places in terms of like you know there's lots of twists and turns. Some of the twists you'll probably see coming, uh, but other times it's um, it's just a really it's a really neat story. And, and it's beginning to end. They they conclude it. It's done. It's about a you know ten to twelve hour experience. You're gonna get in there. You're gonna play it, and and you're I, I felt satisfied with uh, with the story they were telling in terms of its. Uh, structure and it really feels like the choices made you know made an impact like again depending on whether you get the quote-unquote perfect ending or the not so I, I think they're all good endings but like you can get like the really good ending where you just have the support of all of all the characters and for the most part the choices you make it's kind of interesting because again I keep going back to they give you these mature slash responsible options and that's what gives you the best ending which is finally like we get a game where you being responsible with your powers with your relationships uh and all that fun stuff and and that gets you to the best i mean that makes perfect sense even saying it loud it's like well of course and that's rewarded well because sometimes it feels like it's not necessarily like there's so many times in video games where you're given a choice and it's almost like they like purposely want to mislead you i guess or like Mm mm-hmm I like I I don't know or that maybe they're just trying to like get you where they're like oh you think you know what the best choice is in this scenario but actually if you do that thing this is going to be the negative side effect and it feels like a lot of times you're punished because they're I don't know trying to teach you a a lesson or or something or that it's not always the obvious answer so it's kind of nice to know that it's like if you're smart and responsible and mature then you're gonna have a good time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and responsible with your powers, like you know, in the middle of the game, they do introduce like another sort of element to your power, more of like a like a like a I don't want to call it like an ultimate, you know, sort of move, you know, uh, but it's uh, it's one of these things where you can kind of take people's emotions away, and in in circumstances like it's you know this this person is feeling like a very deep anger and your character even says like well i could take her anger away and that could that could help me understand more of what's going on or help this person but it feels wrong like that's what the character says so in that instance you're like okay like she is saying that this would this would feel wrong in this specific moment so i'm going to choose to to not you know, take this person there. And then later on in the game, she'll even say like, I'm really glad I didn't abuse my powers. And, and, uh, you know, cause this person's anger is, is their anger and they need to, in order to heal, they need to experience it. Right. 
And you need to feel your feelings. Exactly. <laughs> but then there's another, you know, version down the road where someone is feeling this deep fear and you can tell that that fear is is really bothering them and holding them back and you can you can you can take that emotion from them. And in that instance that's that's the right move, you know. Uh so there is there is some of that there a little bit, but like it feels very telegraphed in a way where you aren't being tricked into choosing the wrong option. Um, so, so, you know, and, and the other thing too is, uh, if you are ever, and I did this a couple times, if you are ever worried about your choices and you want to know more, you, I, I did, I would quickly Google it. And there's like a lot of like spoiler free sort of, this is, this is the option. But again, I didn't feel like that was something I had to do with a majority of choices. I just, I just hate replaying stuff. <laughs> so I <Yeah. laughs> sometimes want to know for sure, but the game telegraphs it very well in that like, you know, this is the there these are both valid options um but the responsible one is 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 most likely this one cuz your character is quite responsible like she she and she does you know telegraph that really well when she's having these inner dialogues right um you know and uh and and I and I really enjoyed that but uh you know the other thing too is uh the licensed music in this game. I, I don't know if you recall from Life is Strange. Cause they did have a lot of licensed music, but it was music I, I didn't know anything about because it was all like, <laughs> it was all like, uh, I think it was all like indie music, but like punk indie music, which I've, mm-hmm. it's not stuff I listen to. But this game, I recognized a bunch of songs. So I felt like really hip and with it, you know? Uh, I don't know. Even more so when you say, yeah. I'm so hip and with it. <laughs> exactly. I realized I, cur- I cursed myself as soon as I said those, those uh-huh. words. But uh, <laughs> no, they have like Kings of Leon and Radiohead and, and more like, it's more of like a, it's more like soft rock slash, you know, there's indie rock in there too, but it was really cool to <laughs> to listen. But that's the other thing. If you're going to stream this thing, I don't know if you saw some of the clips going around. They do have like a stream uh, friendly version so there is this I moment did. <laughs> yeah. where they're like dancing or something, but there's no music and it's just weird and awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but they've replaced like uh, the music with, uh, you know, how sometimes you're at a basketball game and all you hear is the squeaky shoes on the on the on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they have. And there is this moment in at, in chapter one where they are, you know, they're rocking out to uh, Kings of Leon. And I think that that moment has made it onto a lot of like uh, Twitch clips where you're seeing them do the air guitar and the air drums and it's just squeaks like you're at a basketball game. <laughs> they don't they don't put like, you know, um, stream friendly music in the background, even if it is just a different rock track, because it is very like, oh, this is the Kings of Leon album. It's not something that they go in and change for that. They just rip the track out and put it. Yeah, they put in other stuff, which is commendable and quite funny. And from a streaming perspective, that that is kind of interesting that you could, you you would do that to, to for the for the shock and the and the laughter value of like oh, I, there's not many moments like that. I you could probably just there's other moments where you could just pull the music and and have it be more of a a quiet moment. But in that instance, I thought they uh, they found a creative solution. That I, I'm sure brought many many laughs to uh, to, a, to a Twitch stream. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I again, I had a, a really good time with it. I, I couldn't put it down. I had to keep playing, and uh, it was uh, it was really good. So I do recommend this one. I I think like Life is Strange has certainly had a a rocky experience on the gamers in, but I'm glad uh, this one. You know, it it goes back to my love of like 
a really well-told emotional story in video games with backed up by solid gameplay and, and dialogue and, and just all of it, like the voice acting, the animations there. I cannot say enough about like the facial tech that they've implemented in this one. It goes a long way to some of the conversations that, you know, are very emotional, right? Like you're dealing with a lot mm-hmm. of emotions in this game and, and uh, it's really good that they put a lot of effort into it to, um, to make sure those emotions are conveyed in a way that, uh, that you Makes really sense. feel them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it, it, uh, I might, I might give it a try. I know. We'll see. I, I might. Was, I, was thinking I know to myself, you're trying to talk me into it. Well, I know you are. I can hear it. <laughs> I know. And you know what? I was thinking to myself, like, do I, I, I struggle. Like, I want to, like, I want to recommend the game to the audience. Uh, but, like, do I want to sit here and be like, Jocelyn, you got to check it out? Because I don't want to be one of those moments where you're checking. It's like, oh, Ryan, you're completely wrong. Like, I don't think that's the case. And I, we can certainly talk, you know, post-show or, or whenever about, like, some of the moments that happen later in the game well, that might be on, like a... Mm. It's on Game Pass, right? So... No, it's not on oh, Game it's not. Pass. Oh. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, this is a full price game. Uh, it, it is a game that that I did receive from Square Enix as a review code, so I so I did get to to play it through that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it is a full price game. It's it's only been out for a couple weeks. I might wait for for a Christmas sale or something. Yeah. Then. I, I would recommend for you specifically. Yeah, I think like if you're gonna wait for a sale, that's a good opportunity. And uh, there is another piece of DLC that's going to be launching at the end of the month that's part of the deluxe edition. And I think it's it's solely devoted to Steph, who is the uh, DJ uh, slash record store owner of the town. Um, so there's there's more content coming for the game that uh, that I'll be checking out later on. But um, yeah, I think it, I think if you're if you're on the fence, like waiting for a sale, like for its first uh, discount, that's that's a good option. Because again, it is a narrative game. It's it's a little shorter, um, but if you do everything, you're gonna look at like sure fifteen hours. Oh, you don't understand. <laughs> Calm down, Alexa. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> you just <laughs> did. I set her off again. No, it <laughs> was my watch. I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> I must have just had my. There, it's been sensitive with all the software updates it's like oh you're talking to me like no these are trying times ryan don't get (laughs) mad at your sensitive watch (laughs) now my watch is telling me it's time for bed so (laughs) geez watch i'm sorry oh man i better start talking about fish then (laughs) yeah i want to hear about this uh you are fish i quickly looked this up before the show and i'm like i'm super excited to hear about it because i had saw on i had saw it pop up on game pass and yeah (laughs) which is literally why i checked this out like honestly these so these game pass offerings have just been so fun and i mean there's so many games i feel like that i've discovered because i'm trying to actively use my game pass and like every week i used to go into my steam and say okay show me all the new releases show me what's trending let's see and i'm doing that with game pass instead now and it's really worked out because there's some good offerings over there. So um, I am fish. You are fish. Yep. Is the name of the game. Oh. And so it's, it gave me like in the trailer, I had such like finding Nemo vibes. <laughs> like it's got these, these cutesy fish in this like animated colorful style. And the whole idea is you, um, you start in a pet store, all your friends are stolen, i.e. like 
sent to homes. They're bought. <laughs> um, and so all your friends are stolen and you're trying to get back to the ocean. And so you could all be together again. And so there are four different fish that you can play. And each of them has their own like special kind of abilities. So there's like a piranha that like can can bite through stuff. And one of them is like a flying fish and the other one's like a puffer fish. So the puffer fish can kind of like jump stuff. And it's it's each one has their own special abilities and they have to navigate through a different part of the city. Now, if the name gives you a little bit of pause, it might be because in the past we played a game called I Am Bread and it's from the same developer. It's actually a sequel to I Am Bread. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I saw that in the the sort of the description of it and I'm like what spiritual successor to like I Am Bread? Well, no, not even oh. not even spiritual successor. Like they are building a bread universe, like what? the like the MCU. Yeah, so this is actually like his at the there's like I guess Surgeon Simulator as well is mm. part of this whole like universe of lore. And so I Am Fish at the beginning of I Am Fish, you are actually so there's actually two loaves of bread. One loaf of bread goes home with the guy for Maya bread. The other loaf of bread gets dropped on the floor and given to the pet store. So then hmm. the owner of the pet store feeds the bread to the fish. And then the fish get like human intelligence, basically. Oh, <laughs> so the bread is what the, the, the bread, bread is the gives special. The, yeah, makes the fish like, yeah, <laughs> aware, I guess. So, yeah, it's it's actually literally like a. Well, I guess it's a, it is a sequel because when you first escape with your first fish, like level one, you're like running across the well, not running, rolling. Uh, so the whole idea is because you're a fish, you have to stay in water, right? So you're in a fish bowl with like a, a lid on it. And so you have to roll and you can't break your fish bowl. If your fish bowl breaks, you die. So uh, you're kind of like rolling over the rooftops and you hear these people like down in the street, like having a coffee and chatting. And they're talking about how weird it was that like, oh, they haven't been to go because a couple of nights ago, this like gas station exploded and, and, you know, maybe it was a terrorist attack. And they're like, no, no, it was the middle of the night. There was no one there. And they're like, that's creepier. And it's like, that's like the end of I am bread. <laughs> It's like you actually make it all the way to the gas station and cause an explosion. Hmm. Yeah. So because that if you remember, I am bread had that whole like um, the guy who had the loaf of bread thought he was going insane and that someone was like breaking into his home and leaving pieces of toast. And that was like you as bread trying to become toast. <laughs> so, yeah, it like that escalates because I never finished it. And the reason I never finished it was because like it was super fun and super quirky. But oh, my God, the controls like mm -hmm. it was so hard to be bread. <laughs> and it's only moderately easier to be fish. <laughs> so... I have found that because it's the same sort of like physics based problem solving game where like you start in a certain location and you have to work your way like around obstacles and there are a lot of ways to die. And because it's physics based, like 
you swimming up against the glass of your bowl is what will propel you forward. But then like you have that like momentum that you have to try to like shift the other way, but it's a lot harder to change direction than it is to like get started going. So um, there is that kind of um, physics control side of it, but they, the controls in I am fish feel better than I am bread. And I mean, it's been what five or six years since I am bread came out. So it would make sense that they've made some updates to their physics engine, but um, yeah, it feels better than I am bread did. I am bread was so frustrating at times. So, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm, I'm not very far through only a couple levels and it's not a very long game. I think there's, three levels per fish so 12 levels total and then i think if you complete all of them then you unlock like a bonus 13th level i think um and then in each level there's like um there's five pieces of bread for you to find in each level they're kind of like a, a bonus achievement kind of thing so when you first start you can like push a button and it shows you almost like hints of like where the so like one of the bread hints in the first level is like why did the fish cross the road and then right at the very end you have to cross a road to get to the ocean and then um like if you kind of instead of just going forward into the ocean if you kind of turn around and look backwards you have to cross the road again which is very very difficult by the way those cars go so fast Uh, (laughs) so you have to cross the road again to kind of like backtrack a little bit and get your secret piece of bread so there's uh yeah there's like pieces of bread hidden through five pieces per level and then there's also you get a score out of five that is calculated based on how long it takes you to traverse the level and how many times you have to respawn in a level. Um, so the first time I played through the first level, I think I got like two stars because I was being so slow and so cautious. And I'm like, I don't, it took me like 15 minutes and they're like, murp, murp, two stars. And I was like, oh, they're like, you really need to pick up the pace. I was like, stop judging me, game. I didn't want to break my fishbowl. <laughs> and then uh, the second time through, I think it took me like four minutes, but I respawned like probably five or six times because I kept falling off the edge of stuff. And I was like, I don't even care. They told me to go faster. <laughs> so there's that kind of like, rating ranking star system and uh and yeah so overall it's like it's it's really well designed it's a little bit more uh kind of in depth than i am bred with the physics being updated a little bit as well like it, the controls felt better so and and the animations like i am bred felt very indie mm. this feels much more polished so um yeah i definitely recommend it it's it's quirky and fun uh and yeah if you do have game pass Go ahead and check it out. Um, I don't know um, what, like, again, because I played it through Game Pass. I don't actually know how much it is on other platforms, but. Yeah, this game seems like it would be perfect for uh, playing with the kids because they, like, again, they might not be able to get very far in the puzzles or whatever, or or just the navigation, but just just them being able to be the fish and, and yeah. roam around uh, the area. Yeah. It looks like it's fifteen ninety nine on Steam, uh, American. So yeah, that's not too about bad. twenty dollar. Yeah, about twenty dollars Canadian. Uh, and and yeah, I think it, the one thing like if you're gonna play with kids, um, they never show the fish like die, but you definitely like you you fall off the side of buildings and your bowl like smashes and then you kind of like flip flop and then it like fades to black. 
So it's like it's not the worst in terms of like cute, adorable pet death. (laughs) But also you should know there's cute, adorable pet death. So I don't know how kids in that age group would respond to that. I think everyone's probably different, but they're just parental content warning. Maybe uh, Nemo will die. (laughs) Probably a lot, which feels like a lot more um, a lot darker than like, oh, no, my slice of bread is ruined. You know, like (laughs) there's just a little like it has eyes. Yeah, I I feel like uh, I'm just watching a little bit of a a gameplay trailer here. And man, they uh, they really went for it in the graphics department. It really feels like they they nailed that like Pixar look. Yeah, no, it looks like I mean, to the point that like you kind of look at it and you go, wow, um, that just looks like Nemo. And I know that it's like clownfish versus goldfish, but like the scale color is about the only thing that they change. Like yeah. that face and those eyes just screams Nemo at me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I'm going to download this and, and play it. Cause I've been looking for, for games that uh, th- like it, I am bread was um, sort of a, a toy of a game with progression and, and a little bit of story and, um puzzles and stuff and i feel like i am fish is also a little bit like that where it is this this fun toy slash puzzle mechanic it's not quite as bad as uh, not bad quote unquote but not quite as toy level as um uh what was it goat simulator which i felt like goat was simulator yeah <laughs> you know very much a toy um type game and and, and uh and this feels like they've they've got the toy aspect to it of of a of a game but also more mechanics more puzzles and stuff so i i feel like the kids i'll be honest like they might just have fun trying to navigate the world and and be totally fine if if the like i'm just watching the trailer i see here like they try to cross a road and it's it's not even it's not gruesome it's just you're right like even when you get like the the, the fish just got hit by a car like it's just <laughs> It, it totally goes into video game mode where like the fish clips through the car and just kind of like floats through the environment. So it's not even like a, it's, it's not an, un- no, it's know. not, it's not gruesome. There is, yeah. there's no like fish squishing. <laughs> no, it's not this unnecessary realistic part, there's which no I know gore. Yeah. <laughs> like some games will go in that direction where it's like, Oh, we have to be edgy here too. And it's like, no, it's just, it's, it's a kid's it's, it's a kid-friendly game, so yeah. Um, and I don't yeah. actually know what the what the rating is, but um, oh, I, yeah, I would I would definitely I would put it on par with Finding Nemo for sure. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if they. I don't know if Steam. I, oh, it's rated T. So ah, T. oh yeah, okay. blood, well, and, crude humor, use of alcohol, and violence. What is okay, this game? I, guess I haven't gotten there yet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I I mean, let's be honest. I don't think my kids are gonna make it past the first level because they like the it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, monkey ball where you're kind of running around in the ball and you're trying to like stay on the course but yes, uh, yeah yeah but there are not a lot of walls <laughs> yeah exactly so i feel like we're gonna so, run off some yeah. walls here and uh, that'll yeah. be that'll be the fun they have with the game is just <laughs> it's just smashing the fishbowl <laughs> i guess i don't know we'll see i'll report back and and see how it goes we don't i guess we do have a fish in the house so uh they're of an age where they they probably won't think tanka can 
can uh, can do that. So it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> In before Ryan comes back next week and he's like, so Caden pushed the fish tank off the table trying to see if he could make it roll around. Uh, we need a new fish. Yeah, I, I don't think Caden would do that, but I w- <laughs> Abigail would, would not, 100%. Not put it past Abigail. And if future Abigail is listening, it's like, you know it. You know it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, maybe we'll we'll reconsider that. But it does look like a lot of fun. Looks very cutesy. Maybe I'll check it out myself before I. <laughs> yeah, our maybe. Fish yeah, maybe it kids. would be good. A, yeah, a good idea. But it might be something that they like to watch you play. But yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, the blood and gore and violence. Don't show them that part. The the first <laughs> level looks pretty tame in terms of uh, in terms of what's it definitely there. is. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. But I don't know. Maybe it goes places. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so if you guys would like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in. Thank you very much to Russell, our newest patron. Also, we have extra life which is happening right now. If you go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021, you can support us in our efforts to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. You didn't mess it up and do the wrong year this time. No. Yeah, it's still 2021. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, this is our 10th year doing it as a team. We've got uh, a bunch of streams or a bunch of plans that are kind of in the works. We will let you guys know when we have nailed down some dates. I think the date that we know for pretty much for sure is going to be game day. So we will be participating on November 6th alongside everybody else, which is something we haven't really done for quite a while. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Game day is always a big deal. Did we do game day together last year? I think we did. I think last year was uh, the first year. Because last year there was no BlizzCon, which is normally the conflict for me, right? So, yeah, I think we might have. Who remembers 2020? I've blocked it from my brain. So, anyways, yeah, it's uh, it'll be a lot of fun. If you guys want to check it out again, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021 in order to support any of the three of us on the team. And uh, we will keep you guys up to date as soon as we have some dates nailed down for some streams. But we are going to be, we're planning on doing streams through October, November, and December. So go and check those out. Uh, that brings us to the new section of the show. I thought maybe, maybe, maybe I could not like that I would be able to start an episode or a news segment without talking about this company. Mm. Honestly, I just, man, oh man, I am so over all of this bullshit. Uh, We don't get a week off from Activision Blizzard news because why on earth would we? Uh, They're still a shitty company. The SEC is now investigating them because they're such a shitty company. Except for it's not necessarily about being a shitty company. It's about being a shitty publicly traded company and not talking to their investors about sexual misconduct and discrimination. The In particular, the investigation that they were going through with the state of California. So basically, the idea is Activision Blizzard knew about the investigation because it was ongoing for two years. They told their investors July 21st when everything broke. And uh, so now the SEC is investigating them to figure out um, what exactly was disclosed to investors by senior management. They have subpoenaed Bobby Kotek, which is a big deal. And they have also subpoenaed like meeting minutes, uh, internal emails, all that kind of stuff to see basically who knew what when and if they followed all of their, um, I guess, uh, oh, what are they called? Um, 
if they, basically if they did everything that they were supposed to do in terms of their investors. So, you know, not giving any shits about the women, just caring about the billionaires. Thank you, SEC. Yeah. I mean, like, if there's one positive side to this SEC investigation is that it is going to uh, hit Activision Blizzard where it hurts, which is is the money. That's what it's always come down to. Exactly. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that might actually work in terms of like hitting them in their money and going after them over investment things like as much as I completely understand people who want to boycott a company, I it just they never feel it as much as you think or hope they would. But where they start to feel it is when things like this happen and people start pulling money out of the company and selling off their stock and then their stock prices plummet and they've they haven't lost all that much. They haven't lost as much as one would hope in this situation. I think their stock price went from like 90-ish dollars to like 75-ish dollars now. And that's in a drop of basically two months. Cause like I said, it was it was mid-July. We are now mid-September. So actually exactly, because today's the 21st. So yeah, exactly two months, and they've dropped about $15 and a share, $15 a share. I would hope they would have dropped more than that. But, you know, yeah, the stock market be stocking. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I, I, <sighs> I don't know either. I, I feel like uh, this this is a story that um, honestly, if here's the thing, like there's always going to be something. There's other stuff that's that's sort of come out sort of tangentially to this in that um, it's not necessarily connected to the lawsuit, but there's been a, a couple more high profile um, you know, uh, um, departures from the company, another overwatch mm. person, executive producer just left today or last day, I think is, is this coming Friday, uh, chief legal officer has left, um, Activision Blizzard again, like no, no direct connection to the lawsuit, but of course, every time there's a departure, it is connected to the lawsuit in, in the articles yeah. and stuff, but um, exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, overwatch also lost their head engineer, Mm. last week uh and so yeah they're just there's a there's been a lot of turnover a lot of turnover so um and well i mean turnover implies hirings and i don't really know if they've had the opportunity even to hire into a lot of these positions but it sounds to me like they're just hemorrhaging people and hemorrhaging talent so again maybe those are the kind of things that will make some sort of impact i i don't know all of this stuff it's going to take years for us to see all of the fallout of this and to see what activision blizzard looks like as a company and i really feel like blizzard probably rightfully so although the lawsuit as we said at the beginning when it was filed is filed against activision blizzard and there's definitely problems on the cod team but blizzard seems to be taking the brunt of the community's ire as well as like the brunt of the I guess the the different lawsuits and stuff so again the SEC is investigating Activision Blizzard but uh, yeah Blizzard is the studio that's really taking a beating and they're also being very clear to refer to Blizzard as a studio which is also kind of a shift within um, just the nomenclature and the and the culture within Activision Blizzard. Like, Blizzard was almost like its own standalone company, and now everyone's just calling it this studio. So they're being brought into the fold in a blunt and quick manner. <laughs> so yeah. we'll have to see. Again, we, we will not know 
all of the impacts of this this whole lawsuit and this situation for for a very very long time but i mean honestly like it's making riot look like the poster child for a functional studio that's kind to women at this point like <laughs> that's just like man that was just child's play <laughs> ugh, yeah it just ugh. I really, I really hope we we see some some positive change uh, at at Blizzard. Oh, but don't worry, Ryan, because they renamed the Big Love Rocket, so everything's fine now. <laughs> what? Oh, I, I did not hear about that. So I guess oh, we're they're good. just they're just renaming shit and wow and being like, oh yeah, see, we we like women. We took this offensive thing away. It's like no, no, Blizzard, you're missing all of the points. But anyways, well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. No, we're good. If you guys are interested, I, I am going to again pimp Garrett's show because um, he and Kyle are doing a lot of legwork on this kind of stuff, and they are covering things in depth. So if you are interested in a deep dive into a lot of this, the like the more legal stuff um then do go check out nexus gaming news you can find that at amove.tv um they're doing a really good job of covering this stuff so go and check it out um let's talk about some cool stuff yeah like god of war let's talk about god of war so um they have now explained or given a little bit of their logic into the decision that they made to make only two games in their Norse saga. So in their Norse story, there is the God of War from 2018, and then there's Ragnarok, which is coming TBD. Uh, did they say 2023, or have they just not even given a date? Uh, it's 2022, so it was originally... Oh, 2022, okay. Yeah, they are originally aiming for 2021, but uh, at this stage, it's looking like uh, 2022 is the, is the next right. lo- okay. early... Probably spring, I'd say, is what they're looking at. Okay, makes sense. Um, I saw him refer to five-year development cycles on my or in this article, and I was like, I think that's why my brain mm-hmm. went 2018, 2023. But anyways, um, I really liked this logic. I think we're so used to uh, like stories and movies and games and stuff being stretched out into trilogies for the sake of trilogies, and it's not always necessary choice and i really liked the explanation that the the director of god of war gave in this case because basically he said it came down to their development cycle and because these games take them so long to put together if they had done the story in a trilogy you would have basically had the conclusion be approximately 10 years after the launch of the first game which he said just felt like too long of a time to tell a story. So because of their lengthy development cycle, because these games are so huge, because there's so much that goes into them, they decided to take the story, like build two big, massive games, but then wrap the story up in um, in two games instead of three, which I think was a, was a really, really good call. And, and an interesting idea really for or like an interesting perspective for for a game director to take instead of say or even a studio instead of saying why sell two games when we could sell three they're like but two games would just be better mm-hmm. <laughs> from a narrative perspective like that's not normally the perspective that wins out no not normally i think uh this also goes back to a conversation I know we've had about Zelda games. You know, you get a Zelda game every 
five to six years in terms of like a mainline Zelda. And when, when that mainline Zelda doesn't hit, it can feel like a, like a, like a big, like not a great feeling, it's right? It's a big letdown. Yeah. yeah. A big letdown. And, and when you have a few of those in a row, it's even worse, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I think this logic where they've, they've hit a, they hit a tone. The first game's well received. I could see the idea of like a five-year development because the sequel might start development during uh, the first game's production. There are two, they, they swap uh, game directors. So um, the game director for the first one isn't the same as the second one. And, they, and, they, and I, I love their explanation for that as well, where it's like, these are, you know, big projects that take a, a toll on people. So it's nice to not have someone, you know, stop one thing and move directly into the next. It can be very... Uh, not great for the soul uh so i thought that was really it's just a really well explained reason for like you said um these games having two instead of three and and having different game directors like they didn't even try to hide it i i I really like the fact that they've been open and honest about the development and that's like not something you see a lot in video games um Mm -hmm. you see it you see it some like you know, Nintendo has started to pull the curtain back a little bit on some of their projects in terms of their producers. And and I know with Zelda, they've tried to be a little more open with, you know, Anuma and, and how he's been working on, on different parts of the game. And, and sometimes his explanations are, are, are not what we're looking for. But I felt this has been a really good explanation of why you're doing two games. And, um, it, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking like two games, that feels really rushed because you're right. You are trained to... Um, when you hear of like Norse saga, it's like, well, why isn't it three games? But then you think back to the first God of War trilogy and it's like, yeah, it did feel a little long in the tooth. And eventually it's like, at some point we got to go kill Zeus. And I, I guess we're going to do that at the end of the second one, but then also do it again at the end of the third one. So, (laughs) um, maybe it could have been two games, but Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily sitting here and saying like, this is the end of God of War. It's like, no, this is the end of, of the, of the Norse saga. And, and they can go from there. I mean, we didn't anticipate a sequel uh, set of games to the first God of War, but we got it, a direct continuation. Mm-hmm. And this is a popular franchise. I could see it coming back. But like concluding the Norse saga gives them a chance to, you know, put it on the shelf, let it sit for a bit and and come back to it from a, from a new perspective and, and, and uh, give it some time to you know, just, just sit there and be a game series that, that is, you know, without an expectation of a, of a sequel three years from now. Right. I I kind of dig that too. Like give it some time to, to rest. Like, I think that's where you look at mass effect and it's like, they kind of have both done a bad job and a good job of letting that franchise sit, you know, in drama, I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, it was worth the wait. They, you know, but I think mass effect four, I think they learned their lesson and hopefully, Mass Effect 4 is is a return to that uh, that beloved franchise, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that's handled in terms of like the idea of putting something on a shelf and and, and giving it time before coming back to it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how the how the Norse saga ends. It feels uh, like they're really setting it up for to be a pretty epic ending, uh, just from the first trailer we've seen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said before, when we saw the trailer, um, I'm 
definitely excited to play Ragnarok, which means that I need to get on the God of War train before that comes out. And uh, I have been in the market for a Mm. PlayStation 5. So I have not purchased one yet, but I've been keeping my eye open. I have officially given up on the thought of ever owning some super freaking awesome official collector's edition PlayStation 5 for Horizon. I think they're just not going to make it. And I'm super sad about it, but I'm sure somebody on Etsy will have my back. <laughs> yeah, no, those so. uh, those face plates are easily replaceable. And you can, I'm sure you'll be able to get a Horizon set from Etsy or some store that hasn't been shut down yet. I think Sony's been trying to crack down on it. But honestly, like they make those those things so replaceable. And with 3D printing these days, like... Yeah, I think you can buy replacement faceplates and they can just be horizon. So yeah, <laughs> completely changes the shell. So you're fine. Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'm going to keep an eye out. So I guess I should probably know if I'm going to get a disc one or not a disc one. Which one did you end up with? <laughs> you know, you remember that that uh, speaking of the Norse saga, what about the uh, PlayStation 5 saga? Remember I had a. a oh, I uh, remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I have the, the disc version. Okay, I think you did that, end up keeping that one. Okay. Yeah, like long term, it's one of those things where uh, having the option is always nice. And uh, But I mean, if you really want to save, like I think it's less than $100 that you save right off the bat. Yeah. You save about the cost of a game. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's nice to have that option to, to know that if you do see like a like a like a PlayStation 5 disc where you have a friend with a PlayStation 5 and you want to borrow a game you have that option um I do have friends with PlayStation 5 so it's true you do <laughs> and I I would recommend the, the disc version unless you are you know completely set on on having the digital edition uh the only biggest difference uh, outside of cost and and uh features is when you do have a disc in there, it, it sounds like the thing is about to take off. Uh, but uh, that sound uh, quickly goes away as soon as the disc is is done being read and or authenticated. So that's the only that's the biggest difference. And I think like the look and feel of the PlayStation Five, like it's certainly more symmetrical the digital version. Oh yeah, the the digital one obviously looks better, a hundred percent. The disc version so weird. I'm like, how could you not have figured this out in a way that was better? <laughs> but anyways. Uh, probably a conversation for not only another day, but a previous conversation that we've already had. Oh, Go yeah. check like 20 episodes back on Gamers In, maybe more. Uh, Ryan, is there anything else you wanted to cover in the news this week before we wrap up the show? Well, I think like one story that we have to talk about just due to your connection to Hearthstone, I'm sure you're used to this by now, but as soon as another card game or an update to a card game is announced, it's like, I bet Jocelyn immediately knows about it like she can feel it on the internet without even seeing it (laughs) and uh, that's the pokemon trading card game live is what they're calling it and uh, this is a new game coming to pc mac and mobile um that is the pokemon trading card game uh but i think they've set it up in a way where this is their answer to hearthstone magic the gathering that sort of thing and i gotta say like it uh I don't know, it, like the trailer is only 30 seconds long. I feel like I want to say like the flourishes that make Hearthstone, and I've, I've not played Magic the Gathering, really Hearthstone's my only example, like the flourishes of Hearthstone in that it is just 
they're moving some some really cool jpegs around really well mm-hmm. um is really well done well and there's I, a lot of there's a lot of, of effects course. and stuff like that yeah yeah uh, definitely <laughs> i'm joking but yeah I, I i i mean at the end of the day like that the, the card art is really spectacular and i think that's the biggest difference here is i think the flourishes in pokemon trading card game live uh do look great <laughs> but like they're using the in the trailer they're using a lot of the original art for that yes, uh, yeah. original Which, trading card. Which, to be card. fair, is also how Hearthstone started as well, is yes. they used a lot of the art assets from their physical card game uh, in order to build Hearthstone. And then they, over time, eventually, you know, commissioned specific art and stuff and started, I guess, like, thinking outside of that box or, you know, expanding their assets because the game was doing well. So, but, I mean, this, to me, looks like if you... Probably, I think, if you play the TCG, I think a lot of this stuff is going to look very familiar because basically, like, this just looks like they scanned copies of all of their cards and then used those scans in the game. Like, yeah. they they are carbon copies of the physical cards that you get. Um, and so all of this looks very much like they are doing like almost like a tabletop simulator. Like this to me doesn't look the same as Hearthstone necessarily. Um, this looks just like we have made the Pokemon trading card game digital. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if you're already in that world, you're probably really going to like it. Um, for me, it's not my jam, but that's, again, just because, like, much like MMOs, I feel like you pick a card game and you just pick that lane and you stick with it. Mm. Um, people don't have time or budgets to keep up with multiple MMOs, multiple card games. Like, these are all very big time sinks and very expensive hobbies so i think that um anyone who's into this like anyone who plays the tcg already is going to look at this and instantly know exactly what to do um it's all going to be very familiar and that's great um i don't know how many people it's going to pull in necessarily unless there's a big audience in the pokemon go space that's like oh hey well i just want more pokemon games and here's another thing i can play on my mobile like those people might get into this, but um, I mean, I, it looks good. I'm I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this seems to me like they've um, replicated what it's like to play the TCG in person. And I know the TCG is super popular, so there's a hundred percent an audience for this. Uh, but it's it's much more of a of a carbon copy, I think, of the TCG than Hearthstone was. Like Hearthstone was like an interpretation of the Warcraft TCG. Yeah, yeah, I, I I get that feeling as well that this is very much a digital representation of of the card game that that currently exists, which is also great, especially when we're in a pandemic, right? It yeah. can't be easy to find physical card game players right now. So the fact that they've been able to take that experience and give people ways to play against people all over the place—that's obviously always going to be a good thing. 
I'm totally on board with this. I think this is awesome. Yeah, no, it's it, it looks uh, it looks really interesting, and I think a lot of the cards they use in the trailer remind me of of the cards I used when I when I played way back in the day. And uh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that there's like TCG players that are looking at this and recognizing every single one of the cards in the trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those energy cards. I'm just like, oh man, I have so I, I have a giant stack of them here. My my parents said like. <laughs> here's a box of some of your stuff. And I'm like, thank you. And it was, it was the Pokemon cards that we had. And, um, you know, no word on, I don't think there's word on how much it's going to cost to buy like packs, um, how you earn them, whether like, I think this is very early days type stuff. There is a website. Uh, but again, it's very much just a promotion to the announcement. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I'll keep an eye on this one cause I'll definitely check it out. I don't think it's something I'm suddenly going to get into hardcore, but I think just to relive, um, that game and, uh, it'd be interesting yeah. to know if there's, um, if there's going to be any, um, any way to like bring in the cards you have in the physical world and like bring them into this in any way, like, I don't know, take a, take a, photo with your with your phone and then like get the game the card in game yeah i don't know because i don't think the one thing that they don't really show which i mean is a huge part of a tcg which is why we don't call hearthstone a tcg it's a ccg a computerized card game not a trading card game is because there is no trading of cards in hearthstone um so they've put trading card game into the title It'll be interesting to see if they do any sort of like digital trading marketplace or anything, um, because that's something that Hearthstone, it's just a question of if it should even be in the game is something that like the dev team has kind of been asking themselves since its inception, especially as now we're, you know, getting bigger and bigger and there's more and more wild cards and, and there's all these different formats and stuff now. So the idea of trading cards in Hearthstone has definitely come up, but there doesn't seem to be any sort of like... Um, mechanism for that at least shown in this trailer so yeah there's like it shows like a a card library but i don't think that there's anything that's like trading like it shows like a deck building space and your profile and the shop and stuff but it and and battle pass is right at the top too so (laughs) that's fun uh but it doesn't show actually trading between two players so that's the one piece where i'm it has a question mark for me but uh, i would be interested to see if they you know, bring in your cards from the real world and or allow you to trade in any way. Those are very interesting uh, potential solutions in a in a digital card game that I, I am curious to see what, if anything, they do. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'll definitely keep an eye on this one. I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, Pokemon companies, you know, going real big on their 25th anniversary celebration. So uh, I think there'll be more news as, as we continue throughout the year. But uh, yeah, it's been a big year for them. Absolutely. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that for you guys and uh, let us know what your thoughts are on the Pokemon trading card game or anything we've talked about this week by heading over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Also going to remind you guys again to go check out bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021 if you would like to support the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals and our goals this year for Extra Life. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>